Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. We have Neil Villapiano on with us this evening. Neil, what's it like being a New Jersey Devils fan right now? It's a lot of fun. This team over the last couple of years has built themselves up until this moment. Tom Fitzgerald said that he believes the New Jersey Devils are now a destination organization. That's what makes Lindy Ruff good, is that he's able to get this team to focus in on the task at hand. Don't expect the Devils to be uh, a Stanley Cup champion in the second year of their contention window. And then to touch on Tyler Toffoli that you mentioned a little bit earlier on as well. Here's the thing about what Tom Fitzgerald has done. Not only has he built a contending team as well as he has, he's built a team that is built to last. Curtis Lazar, who is arguably on one of the best contracts for a fourth liner you will see in the NHL. Nemitz doesn't have to make the team. That's not a requirement. We're not. We are going to take our time with him and let him develop the way that we wanted to. How many times have we seen people rush through the system? That's unfortunate what's happened with one of our prospects in Alexander Holtz. Weird. This morning, Mercer was on the third line, but now it looks like Holtz is on the third line. You want to ask me about the goaltending? You're darn right, but I want to ask you about the goaltending. People look at what happened in the series against Carolina, and that's where the questions of goaltending comes. Last time I checked, Dallas with Jake Ottinger, uh, the Islanders with Ilya Sorokin, the Rangers with... Uh, Igor Shosturkin, none of them have even been to the finals, let alone win anything. I think what I find funny when we talk about goalies in New Jersey, or I think goalies in general, is that a lot of people tend to forget that what makes a goalie stronger and better? Well, experience. So, quite frankly, I'm not concerned about the goaltending at all. At all. Now they're right on the head.
And we are back with Check My Fanny. Check My Fanny. It's perfect. And you know what, Marty? Yep, what's happening? It's it, it's Christmas time. It's a Christmas it is. time? It's, yeah, it Why is for is me. Why is it Christmas? It's because, man, it's, it's the start. day before the start of the NHL season, baby. So you know what? Yeah. And in in conjunction, we start our CFHL season uh, basically tonight as well um, with, uh, let's see here, going over the matchups. So we've got uh, myself and the Royals. We're going to uh, go one versus one, if you will, to start off the season. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of bottom dwellers in the Pond Hogs and the Demons that are going to take on uh, each other this week. Uh, of course, the battle of the runners-up uh, between the Buccaneers and the Apocalypse as well. And yours truly, Marty and the Brigands, in a revamped Gretzky division, will take on the Cougars, who stayed in the Howe division. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting, some of these matchups here. Uh, obviously, I think matchup of the week is probably uh, myself and Scott. So yep. uh, that's not to take away from any of the other contenders, but one versus one from each division from last year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, we're going to obviously go over a couple of things here uh, in regards to Beauty and the Beast in, uh, in a few minutes. In regards to how uh, some of these players who are on a what, what is for us a short week. Um, I don't know about other, other uh, yeah. leagues, but... Uh, Basically, us, it's kind of a shorter week. It's about five days out of seven. So we're going to go over a few players with you in a little bit that are going to help you out in that first week. But uh, I'll tell you what, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's going to be interesting. You kind of mentioned it last week too, Marty. Um, it's going to be tight. Like, we literally have probably, I, I would say, six teams that will contend. And, and potentially two that will could fall off, fall by the wayside a little bit here. But... Uh, within that would be the Cougars. And I do still think that they've got quite a bit of pieces that can do some damage. But I mean, again, it's just going to be a dog fight. I firmly believe that the Cougars role definitely this year and has been the last few years anyways, um, because he won a championship not that long ago, but definitely their role has been spoiler. They, they come in and they run amok with your schedule because you don't know what you're getting in terms of that particular week. So while I'm fine to suggest- like a little wild card, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because like I'm fine to think to myself, well, I mean, on paper, I I feel like I'm I'm more competitive this year than the Cougars are. However, he's definitely got some players that can. So all I need are a couple of my players not to do their thing, and he will have enough on his team to beat me. So you still need to be very very sharp against Ryan. Um, again, this is not a slight against Tom, but Tom is absolutely in a rebuild situation. Um, but with Ryan, again, you've got players like Boldy, Caulfield, Connor, Cousins. That's a lot of C's there. Um, Larkin, <laughs> Nylander, Panarin. Uh, oh, he got Reichel? Oh. You mean, you mean Panarin? No, I go with Panarin. Um, oh, okay. Suzuki. Right. Yeah, I t- yeah. I'm going to stick with... I'm going to stick with Panarin. I don't care what his real name is. It's Panarin. That's all right, man. It's Panarin. And it's, hey. it's my world. You're living in it. Um, so <laughs> hey, I told the boys I'd keep up my job and I'm going to do it. <laughs> Morrissey on defense, <laughs> Cider even. Um, you know, anyways, he's got enough players that you need to be concerned. So, yes, it's true. Six will be contending for uh, the Cup, absolutely. And I'm going to take back what I said at the draft, where I said the, the, the Cup goes through Jason this year. At the time, I felt that his team was the team to beat. And it's not a slight against Scott. Scott won the the, um, the championship last year. It still absolutely needs to go through Scott. But what I'm saying today is that it actually... I'm taking it back. Not that 
Jason's not going to be very competitive, but there are holes in his, in my opinion, defense and goaltending. Whereas with Scott, his biggest hole is on defense. And who does he have on defense? Carlson and Fox. Okay. <laughs> That's his biggest hole. And I'm pointing that out just because it, as ridiculous as that sounds, because it is ridiculous to say a team that has Carlson um, and Fox has a hole on defense because the other ones, the Masson, the, the, uh, who is it? The Ekblad who's not playing yet, but he will. Uh, Jersey Sanderson. And there's that other guy. Oh yeah. Uh, Forsling. These are, these are not your top-tier defensemen. They're, they're fine to throw in. They're good pieces. Uh, they're, you know, they're warm bodies on the ice, and that's something. Uh, but let's face it. He's going to be relying on Carlson uh, and Fox to sort of fill in the gap. So if you spread those points out from all, for all those players, you're still looking at a very solid decor. So Scott, yeah, I'm taking it back. Scott, no, I, and I'm sorry I didn't say it uh, on draft night. All due respect, Scott is... It, He's a reigning champ for a reason, and his team is ridiculously stacked for a really long time. And remember, he he got McKinnon late in the season last year, or later in the season, I should say. So he's getting him from day one now. So and like I, you know, even Huberto, who you can't, I don't feel he's going to have the bounce back season that people are saying he's going to have, but he could. And he's still going to play, right? He's going to be on the top line, even top line power play. He's going to get you those points. So Eichel, Huberto's uh, Hyman, McKinnon, Point, Stutzel, both Kachucks, Zuccarello. Uh, gosh, I don't know, man. It's a deep forward group. That's pretty deep forward. Group very, sure. very deep. And I mean, and I mean, you got several guys that are pushing for 100 points here. I yeah. mean, a guy like Huberto could, again, could. push for the century mark. Eichel as well, Point. Uh, you got so... I mean, Stutzlick takes the next step. So, he, you know, oh, you're ta- starting to get to like four or five deep here that could be pushing for a century mark. So it's ridiculous. that could certainly, um, if that does come to fruition, that could certainly kind of mask any issues that he may have on defense in regards to, yeah. you know, how deep he would be there. Again, again, mentioning that he has, you know, arguably two of the top <laughs> yeah. two players that are definitely in the top 10. You could yeah. argue probably top five as well in Fox and and Carlson, but uh, you know what? It, it, like, it, it's just it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to come down a lot to uh, man games played in certain instances. Um, yep. You know, maybe a goalie's playing an extra game or or, or something to that effect. So, yeah. I mean, look, it's, we've gotten to the point in our league where <sighs> so you know, tight. We're getting down to the to the to brass tacks here, where you're having to look at games played and and making sure that you're you know you're not four or five games behind here for the week because yeah. again we're not a daily fantasy so it's not like we can go out and add somebody who's playing an extra game that week and mm-hmm. and keep them in the lineup or anything to that degree we we draft at the beginning of well i mean anywhere from mid September to the beginning of October and we are not adding anyone unless it's through trade or potentially bringing up a farm system player uh, until basically third week mid January. Well, you still so, even if you do a trade, you still can't insert a midweek. You got to wait till the week's over and get into the next week, which well, means you've no, already you already played that that week. So you've already either won or lost that game, and you move on to the next one. So it, it's very difficult to project what your players will do. What you basically have to bank on is that well, he's at least playing that week. I'm I you know three games versus two makes the difference. So like I, as a perfect example this week. I'm toying with the idea of sitting Tarasenko because I've heard he's been uh, demoted to the third line. They split him from Batherson. Um, so now he's on the third line and he's on the second line power play. So I'm debating putting him down, but everyone else that, that, that I'm, I'm dressing, uh, or sorry, everyone else that's benched, is all playing at least two or maximum two, mostly just one. And I don't know. I feel like the man game is better than 
you know, an extra man game gives me that one extra opportunity at ca- ca- either catching up or extending my uh, my lead on whatever happens that week. So at the end of the day, we bank a lot on total man games played for the week. One of the interesting parts about our league, and you know, we've always tried to mimic as closely as one can to to the actual NHL, right? And I mean, you know, we hear the same thing year after year, you know, being a playoff position by, uh, you know, American Thanksgiving, you kind of set yourself up well for the rest of the year. Well, in our league, because of the fact that you can't just kind of add these players willy nilly like you would in a daily fantasy, it really does become quite important for your team, uh, your fantasy team to get off to a hot start because it becomes very, very difficult uh, the rest of the year to continuously catch up. Uh, to some of those uh, some of those top teams whoever they may be at that particular moment mm-hmm. so it, it, it does make for an in, an interesting little crinkle to the season as well where you know it, if I'm two or three games out here by midseason that that becomes quite difficult to make up uh, and, yeah. and especially if you know we're not just talking about one team ahead of you if there's like two or three teams ahead of you and you're like three games out I mean good luck <laughs> you know everybody's gonna and and that's and that's the that's the other reason why, right? Is everybody, including those top teams, unless they don't have, you know, any kind of picks in midseason, they're in a situation where they're loading up as, just as much as you are with players that they would need, or, or maybe a, a player that works out better for them at that particular time. So it, it really does make for an interesting start to the year. Uh, you know, a game like this becomes pretty damn important, right? Like, I mean, both myself and, and Scott see ourselves as as contenders, and. Hey, I mean, yep. you know, as obvious as as obvious as the statement is, I'd rather be one and zero than zero and one to start the year, and then <laughs> you know you're already playing catch up mode before week two even hits, right? So, it, yeah. it it certainly will be interesting to see how everything plays out here in the first week, and of course as as things move on here in the first couple months of the season. So, before we move on to uh, Beauties and the Beast, quick question for you: Someone who you currently start started on your team, someone you're looking forward to, so the season can start, you can see what this player is going to do for you. Is there somebody on your team right now you're like, oh, I can't wait to get, I can't wait to see this guy get going. Who's that? Oh, I mean, from my own team, I, I probably want to, in all reality, it's probably the goaltending. I, I'd really like to see what's going on with my goaltending. I mean, obviously, they're all three in good spots. Um, but I mean, you know. Yeah, I'm surprised. And, and, even, and, even, and even more so with, uh, with the um, signing of Hellebuck today. I mean, obviously the guy's happier. You know, he wouldn't have signed there. I mean, he signed for seven years, so he's he's very mentally comfortable, obviously. But I mean, of course, now you just want to see how all that plays out, right? Because especially when it comes to Hellebuck, I mean, the other two guys, I kind of know what I'm getting. A little, you know, a little bit uh, kind of rides on how the Islanders as a team are going to play in regards to Sorokin's success. But when it comes to Hellebuck, He's had kind of one year on, one year off, one year on, one year off kind of deal, right? And believe it or not, this is supposed to be the year off. So, you know, you, you see those trends and, and and it's not just, you know, a couple of years. Like there is <laughs> a, a trend to this. So you wonder if, if that's now going to kind of switch a little bit. So it'll, it'll just be interesting to see. And, and with the mentality of what the Jets did today, there you know, there's a lot going on uh, for that organization today. Um, and of course, I mean, right down to the players, I mean, you're getting two major pieces back here. Like your first line centerman isn't going anywhere for seven years and your starting goaltender sticking around for seven years as well. So, you know, not just the obvious that these guys are going to be on the ice here, but you know, as, 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 as late as, you know, this morning, I mean, this team 
Uh-huh. I mean, if I'm a Gabe Velarde or if I'm a uh, Kyle Connor, you're kind of sitting there saying, okay, like I know we're going into the season with these two guys, but but where are we going? And, and yeah. I don't, for me, regardless of whether you like what the Jets did today or not, in my eyes, Shevel Dow saying, yeah, we're, we're contender. Like there, there's, yeah. for me, there's no, there's no other way of looking at it. That, that general manager, yeah. that organization uh, and, and furthermore, the two players that signed are are, are of yeah. the mentality that, yeah, we can do some damage That's here. Point too. And, and and Marty, we talked about it a little bit at the start of the year. And, you know, I, I know maybe some people aren't as high on the Winnipeg Jets as, as others. And, you know, even myself, I'm cautiously optimistic, I suppose, would be the most positive outlook I could give. You know, I just want to kind of see how things fit a little bit. But I'll tell you what, the pieces are there. I... We talked about it already. I mean... You go, yes, Ehlers, there's a little bit of an injury thing going on there. We're not too sure. But you got your first-line center back. You got still have Kyle Connors is around, 40-goal score. Uh, you know, you bring in Nita Nita Ryder. And, and the reason I mention a guy like that is he slides into a second line quite nicely. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, and and if he has to dip to the third line, so be it. And, I mean, you know, you get Rasmus Kupari, Aya uh, uh, Fallow in the trade for, uh, Jesus. Uh, for Dubois. Like, you know... Does it feel like a bit more of a linear move than anything else? Maybe on the surface, but let's see what this team's going to do here. What I mean, what I'm going to suggest though is that as much as you're right, and I think a lot of people look at it as a linear move in the sense that nothing really lost or gained. Like you had these guys going into the season, any of it didn't matter. Uh, but what the overhanging cloud was going to be there. But I mean, to a degree, you can kind of mitigate that, and that's fine. However, what I will say is by solidifying these two players now, seven years, now there's a plan, right? Like, let's say now he sat them. At some point, I would assume the coach bonus knows what he's doing. He took this team last year to the playoffs. I This team had no business being in the playoffs last year. Maybe they did, but they didn't in the sense that nobody felt like this was going to happen. And they kind of overachieved themselves. I know we just talked about the New Jersey overachieving, but that's, these are two very different worlds. I'm looking at this team with your Connor, Shifley, Velarde in the top line. Then Ehlers, Perferetti, who's going to have a better season this year too. Um, constant progression, right? And then Niederreier on the second line. Iafalo, Lowry, and Appleton on the third. And then even further, Baron, Kupari, and Namistov on the fourth. Are you friggin' kidding me? And the arrival of, of um, one Morrissey who's all of a sudden a potential point-a-game player on defense, and you can sort of seal that up on defensemen with, you know, DeMalo and Pionk doing their thing, Nate Smith even to a degree. I'm sorry, but I'm not... It's I'm, a good team. It's a, this is a very, very good team, and I've been saying it... Like, sneaky good. Absolutely, and I've been saying it since the offseason when, when they finally made that trade. Pierre-Luc Dubois, see you later, which I do believe had a bigger impact in that locker room than... I know people are already aware of that, but I think it had an even bigger impact than, than we're even comfortable talking about. I think it actually affected Mark Shifley. I think it had something to do in that dressing room. Maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois sees himself as being more vocal on a team, and Shifley maybe didn't want that confrontation. I'm making this up in my mind based on some things that I've read, so don't go quoting me on this. But I do feel that Shifley now, unquestionably, the absolute number one center on that on that team. Pierre-Luc Dubois probably wants that title, right? Like he, That's why he went over to Vegas, or um, the Kings, because in about 
three years when Kopitar's contract's up, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois' job because he signed a mm-hmm. seven-year. So that's the intent, right? That's the, that's the concept there. So for Shifley, this is perfect. And I think now there's more of a comfort there. Rick Bonus knows what he's doing. He's already taken this team once. He'll do it again. The contract dispute is behind everybody. We've got longevity now with this, with this club. Look out. Because again, the more you want to put a team down and say you're not going to do anything, the more they have less to play for. Less expectations just opens it up for these guys. So just have some fun and play hockey and they'll be successful. And let's not forget here. I mean, you know, if I'm not mistaken, it was, you know, kind of late into January, maybe mid-January into January here that this team was in first place in that conference. Hello. Like, like the Jets were right up yeah. there and, and, and playing extremely well. So yep. I, listen, I mean, whatever happened in the second half happened, uh, you know, does that have to do with Rick Bonus? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But what I can say is there are some pieces that have been moved out, some newer pieces coming in. Uh, you know, love, on the surface, I mean, uh, Bonus seems to be uh, – he's, he's not the detriment is what I'm getting to. No. I don't think that that's what's holding things back necessarily no. or what, what necessarily went down in the second half. But, I mean, they've got the goods – you know that, and like you mentioned, that they brought in some youth here over the summer with with the uh, Dubois trade. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out here. But boy, oh boy, talk about a message that was sent today oh, with yeah. th- those two signings. And I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, you know, th- things look a little bit better in uh, in Winnipeg uh, today uh, than they did yesterday. That's for sure. It's funny too. Eh? Like um, when Rick Bonus signed in Winnipeg, both of us were like, "All right, so this is a bridge coach." <laughs> To, to going back into finding somebody else at some point and they'll figure themselves out. So they're in a rebuild. So give them another five years. Remember that? We both agreed to that. And I, don't deny it. You, you said it. Uh, nope, not denying <laughs> it. Not denying it. No. All right, moving and on. And now on to Beauties and the... Yeah. Muting on the Beauties and the Beasts. Beast. All right, Beauties and the Beasts, baby. Okay. All right. So, so listen, I mean, w- with our particular uh, a league, I mean, we have a short week. Uh, basically games from October 10th to October 15th. I don't know if other leagues are maybe jamming a couple weeks together to make one big week, whatever the case may be. Uh, But Marty and myself, we're going to go over kind of the parameters of our own league. Uh, We have a league that goes from Monday to up to and including Sunday. Uh, So that's that's our schedule week per week in a uh, uh, head-to-head matchups. So we're going to give you some players that we think are going to help you, uh, in particular in the first week, again, going off of our... Uh, parameters and for me I'm going to start off with Tristan Jerry now obviously we all know that the Penguins add you know Eric Carlson Uh, I I don't think this helps them too much defensively and and furthermore I I don't think that Jerry will have the most stellar of peripheral numbers over the course of the year but I do think that he is going to be a great source of wins and I certainly think he's going to help you in the first week as they're playing both Chicago and Calgary at home and then they go on the road to play Washington those three teams had a winning percentage of 472 last year. So for me, good way to start off the, uh, the year this year um, would be to s- slide Jerry into your lineup. Uh, Scott, if you want to just keep him on the bench, that would be more than fine. Uh, no problem whatsoever there. But for, uh, for your other managers who aren't playing against uh, Tristan Jerry this week, it might be a pretty good add to uh, throw him in there as you, uh, one of your tenders. Uh, certainly a favorable matchup this week, that's for sure. Uh, next up, uh, one of my own guys, Claude Giroux. Uh, the Senators are playing uh, at home against Philadelphia and Tampa Bay, and then they go on the road against Carolina. Um, 
for me here, Giroud playing on that first line, getting some exposure to uh, to uh, Stutzla, uh, for me, really goes a long way. Of course, he's on power play one as well. Uh, I just think that he's that type of guy. He's going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit, even though he's on the first line and first power play. I mean, Stutzla is going to get a lot of the love, obviously. Uh, obviously. But I mean, I think he just kind of he kind of slides in there and isn't a forgotten man, but... You know what I mean? You kind of forget that this guy is still, you know, in that 75, you know, pushing 80 point area here. So career uh, year you know, for him last year and goals scored. Well, so keep that in mind. And, and 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 for me, it has to do with the team, right? Yes. Like it's going to be a high he's at home. team. Uh, Loves it. And and that's the he's other thing. So too. Happy. I mean, this guy's two, he's two years into that contract being at home now. Oh, like man. He must just be loving it. Yeah. And I can't see why things won't continue uh, uh, production wise no for, uh, for Giroux. I think he's going to be a good uh uh, a good player to put in your lineup this week as well. Um, I'm obviously going to continue to cheat in regards to our beauties and the beast. Um, I, I don't Seriously. know when this is going to stop. What's up? I don't know when this is going to stop. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I don't know. I really don't. Do you uh, want to talk about sure. it? <laughs> but maybe I might have to talk. You know what? I won't be on next week's show. Unfortunately, I have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but 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 I'm what I will a say is I'm a hockey Barb's therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Two. Two Vegas nights in uh, Ivan Barbashev uh, and Shea Theodore. Th- they're in a good spot. Again, playing some weaker teams. Uh, they've got Seattle and Anaheim at home, and then they go on the road uh, against San Jose. The winning percentage for those three teams was 443 last year. And, and I mean, look, we saw what Barbashev did in the playoffs last year uh, beside Eichel, and that doesn't look like it's going to change. I mean, he's still lining up beside him. So, you know, just from having exposure to a player like that, and, and, and again, three games in, in the week, there's not a massive amount of teams that are playing three games. You want to try and take advantage of that in the man games department for sure. Um, you know, Barbashev Bar- Bar- alone, just being, uh, just being on that line uh, certainly does it for me. Theodore, you know, I'm a kind of expecting big, th- big things from him. I know there was an injury last year. But, you know, he, he scored at, at a quite, uh, quite a nice rate last year as well. Um, and, again, three games, the Seattle, Anaheim, and San Jose on the road. Uh, you know, I, I really see him uh, being a big piece of the puzzle out there. And, I, and, and furthermore, I do see him being leaned on much, much more as we continue to move forward here in regards to that power play one. Uh, I know it, it seems over the past couple of years they kind of divide the time up fairly evenly, but – you know, I, I just think Theodore has got so much more to offer uh, in regards to the offensive game. And on that power play, I certainly think that he uh, is definitely leaned on more in regards to that. So those are another two players that I would go ahead and, and uh, um, push into your lineup this week for sure. Uh, one guy that I'm fading, and I'll go back to my own club again this week, is Ilya Sorokin. Um, listen, great goaltender. Can he put up a shutout in, in a heartbeat against any club uh, yes. in the NHL? Absolutely. Is he going to have a hard time doing that against what I think is going to be an offensive juggernaut this year in the Buffalo Sabres? I think he's going to have a hard time. I mean, look, I mean, we all know what Sorokin is. Super, super great goaltender, uh, you know, top of the league. The unfortunate thing is the team that he plays for. Um, You know, can he, does he do a lot of damage on his own? Yes, he does. Uh, Could he do even more so if the team could, you know, muster up even that much more offense? Yes, he, he would even be in a more elite tier, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I would certainly fade him this week as he's playing Buffalo, and that is the only game that the Islanders are playing this week. Um, so there you go. There's my beast for the week, Ilya Sorokin. Marty, over to you, buddy. All right. First up, we've mentioned him a little bit on the show, right? One Mr. Tyler Toffoli at home against Detroit mm. and Arizona. 
I mean, there's a lot of players to take out of New Jersey for this, but I'm picking him because, quite frankly, all he does is score. 34 goals last season on a Calgary team that most nights looked like they forgot how to score completely. Um, I fully believe he'll explode out of the gates, as will the entire Devil squad, and this will just be fun. So, honestly, with, T- with Toffoli, playing on that first line, because he's on the first line, even strength and power play, set it and forget it. I don't see him not fitting in well with this club. I don't see him not playing well, period, because he played well on a team last year in Calgary that just really shit the bed every night, yet still he put up numbers. So on this <clears throat> on this team, just expect something completely otherworldly from Tyler Foley. It'll be hard not to re-sign him at the end of the season. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, it. it- it, it would be tough. It, you know, for me, it all depends on what kind of length he's looking for, what kind of term. Yeah. I mean, if he's looking for a couple of, a couple of years, that would kind of fit right into my plans if I'm, you know, if I'm uh, New Jersey management. I may even yep. go a third year if I can get a little bit of savings on that, potentially. Yeah. But, I mean, e- either way, I mean, and I, I mentioned it during the show, the intangibles that this guy's going to bring to the club, I think, are just immeasurable. The next guy I'm putting, I had put on, and I'm just realizing now that I should have changed it because I afterwards read a different story. Is I had Vladimir Tarasenko, so at home, Philly, Tampa, and like you said, on the road against Carolina. So originally, for a guy who I, this is what I wrote originally for a guy who barely is cracking the 180p this year, here's a guy who can do a ton of damage for your team. He'll be on the <laughs> he was on the first power play. Um, I'm not even going to read the rest of this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to go off the cuff. Vladimir Tarasenko, I don't see him. So he's, how can I say this? If you're not making Tarasenko happy, he's not going to play happy and he's not going to play well for you. Pierre didn't go out. Pierre Doran did not go out and sign him to $5 million to play on the third line. I can appreciate how during the preseason, he hasn't exactly exploded out of the gates. This is preseason, though. It depends on how much how much stock you put into that. There is chemistry f- with him and uh, Batherson. I can appreciate that DJ wants to, the coach, DJ wants to spread the love. But I'm going to tell you right now, Tarasenko on a third line at five mil, no, it's not going to last. It absolutely will not last. It really, quite frankly, should not last. That's not why they went out and got him. He should be on that first power play at the very least. I, I, I'm, I'm pausing to suggest that I can understand why you may want him on the third line, but I still wouldn't put him on the third line. You, Tarasenko needs to be on that second line, even strength, and first line power play if you want any kind of production out of a guy who could potentially score 40 goals for you. Now, you put him on a third line and second line power play, you should be happy if he gets 20 and that's not why you went out and got him so i don't under i don't i don't see this making any sense and i don't see this having legs this will end quickly this little experiment and quite frankly this could just be something maybe it's a message that dj smith is trying to send out to the team maybe specifically tarasenko meaning you are movable i don't care if you don't come out of the gates scoring for us the way we we are paying you to i will demote you and it'll be fast and you'll be unhappy maybe that's what he's trying to do with this but um well i mean yeah. for, for for me i think there's a little bit of a link right now because you're kind of getting this lack of information in regards to this pinto thing and yes it, it, it you know, I, I got to wonder if maybe, you know, over the course of the summer, late in the summer is when they kind of brought Tarasenko in. I wonder if they kind of knew a little bit then. And this is kind of, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. I, I haven't been, uh, you know, 
uh, in the background here with the Ottawa Senators in any way, shape, or form. But I just I wonder now with all of this in, this lack of information coming out about Pinto, you know, did they kind of know something a little bit, and that's why they brought in uh, uh, Tarasenko. And and like you say, I mean. With a guy like that, you probably want to put him into a situation where he's going to succeed. Um, you yeah. Know, second power play, you know, that doesn't bother me so much. I mean, they do have that much going on in regards to the first power play. They do have that much talent. Um, so I can understand that. But when it comes to that second line, you got to try and get him in there in all reality. I mean, third line, that becomes quite difficult. I mean, you know, in regards to the skill that they would have with some of those players on the third line, and his own skill level, you start to have a little bit of a gap there. So we'll be interesting to see what DJ Smith does here in regards to these guys. But man, oh man, I tell you, it's you got to wonder if, if they're going to get the value out of that contract or not. We will see, but it doesn't look like that at the particular moment. Um, so I don't want to beat a dead horse to the ground. So let's just beat a dead horse to the ground. That's not the saying. Beat a dead horse. End it there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the next up. <laughs> Uh, Andre Kuzmenko, uh, so away and home, Edmonton and Edmonton. So he's come in leaner and more determined. Uh, and as I understand, he's even cut out the Nutella. So he's on the top line, even strength power play with one of the most skilled centers in the league. <laughs> Make no mistake, Kuzmenko's season last year was no fluke. It's, honestly, it's just the beginning. I don't see him slowing down. I see him picking up. I, a lot of people see a regression just because... His shot, um, his shooting percentage was so high, and overall his numbers were just so high for a first year in the NHL. To me, at 27, he's in his prime. I don't understand why we would suggest that it's going to regress. He came in at the beginning stages of his prime at 26 years old, performed as if he was at the beginning stages of his prime, which means his next season should be that much better. There's no there's no discomfort for him. He's very comfortable in the NHL. There's nothing slowing him down. The only thing slowing him down is himself. And he's made it very clear this year that he's going to be he and he did. He came into this season leaner. He's cut out some things that he doesn't need in, in his in his body anymore and he's more determined. So why are we suggesting that he's going to slow down and actually regress just because the number seems too absurd? That doesn't make any sense to me. He's done it his entire he's done it He's. I could see if he came in in the NHL and like had flashes of brilliance and reached seventy something mm-hmm. points, but he didn't. He, he came into the league and had consistently brilliance throughout the whole year and ended at seventy plus points. He was a very consistent player. So why are we suggesting there's a regression here? So I'm sorry, I don't see a regression at all for Kuzmenko. He's still playing, like I said, with the same guy who helped him out last year, Pedersen. And actually, Elias Pedersen has got a bit of a chip on his shoulder himself. Neither the Canucks nor he want to commit to this team. It's kind of a prove it, and I don't understand why the Canucks would be taking this stand with Pedersen. But I think the two of them are going to have something something of a season this year. Um, what does that really translate to? He, maybe Kuzmenko falls behind on goals, but I think overall points... No, I think he picks up. I think he's going to go he's going to surpass points per game this year. He, I think he ended at 77 in 81 and this year he'll end up with I don't know 85 in 81 and 82 something like that. So, at this point right now, I see no reason why to to suggest that he'll slow down just because 
what he did in his first season was so good. It's not like we're talking about Boston Bruins last year that came in and became the best team in that the league has ever seen. Yes, there's a regression there. That makes sense. But again, for a guy who came in at the beginning stages of what is supposed to be your best years, has his best year in his first full season in the NHL, why are we assuming he's uncomfortable on any level is beyond me. He played in a sh- he played for an organization that off the ice was in complete turmoil, handled it like a charm, no issue to his game whatsoever. So again, not sure why we're suggesting he's going to regress. I don't think he will at all. I think it will surprise. And, and I mean, it's, it's the players that he's playing with too, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about Miller and Peterson. Like, both of these oh. players can push for 100 points. Yep. So, I, I mean... You know, when you've got exposure to these players, you know, and, and okay, so maybe it's, we'll see how it plays out in regards to five on five. It certainly sounds like he's going to have some exposure to them, uh, but in particular on the power play. And, and let, let's let's remember as well, he's a net front presence, right? <clears throat> like, not every team has that. And, and that becomes super yeah. vital for your power play. I mean, this guy's going to knock in, this guy's going to knock in st- garbage goals right in front of the crease, you know, all night 10, long. A dozen, 15 of them? Like, I mean... And he's stronger back, this year. You know, he's I'm bigger and stronger this year. So, he's, I don't know. That translates to more goals as far as I'm concerned. I, again, he's he's in a good spot. And, you know, it's not like the guy's playing third line. So, you know, we're, we're talking no. about all this third line and, and, and not having some exposure to, to your top six or your more skilled players. He's all over it. And I can't see where uh, things are going to go sideways for this guy. I mean, does he does he hit the exact same amount of points? I don't know. But he's certainly going to be right around that area. I mean, it's oh, not yeah, like the guy's going to fall off the face of the earth here. He's, he's still no. a massive piece of what the Canucks are doing down there. So uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't know if, they're, if I'm of, of the same um, um, thinking that, that this massive regression is going to happen. Listen, I, I, I don't know exactly where he's going to fall. But I, I'll tell you, it, it, he's in a good spot to continue his progression, like you're mentioning, and c- to continue to grow his game overall. Uh, lastly, I know this. we've talked about this, this guy being a great um, candidate for a bounce-back season, and I do still believe that he's absolutely still a great candidate for a bounce-back season. However, if you read too much into preseason stuff, you'll understand why I put Markstrom here. So Jakob Markstrom, he's letting in some weak goals. He's looking distraught and overall exactly how he played last year. So it's not good. If you don't read anything into this, then, you know, hope is basically all you've got going into the season for Markstrom. That'll hope that he'll turn it around. Hopefully this makes more sense for him. Hopefully the new coach and the new system will be better for him. Hopefully he's got a chip on his shoulder. Hope, 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 hope. But if you're going off of facts and what we do know is that he last year he did not play well. And right now in the preseason, he looks the same. So there's reason to be concerned. He's playing at home against Winnipeg and then away against Pittsburgh. Um, these are going to be some tough games. It's going to put this new system, this new team to a test. I, As much as I do think Calgary has the potential of being better than what I've been predicting them, I do think out of the gate this team will struggle f- mightily for a while. Whether or not that affects Markstrom, I don't know. But I, I will say this. As a team, as a fantasy manager, you're looking for Ws, you're looking for shutouts. I don't think Markstrom's your man. And I'm actually dressing him this week. Uh, it's because my options are either Darcy Kumper playing one game or Akira Schmidt, Schmid, sorry. Um, and I know he'll only play one of the two games if he plays one of the two games this week. So I'm better off going with Jakob Markstrom, who's going to be given both games this week most likely. But who knows? Maybe Vladar gets the other one just to see. So... That's my beats. Markstrom, tough sell. Tough sell this week. Got to agree. I mean, it, 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 it's 
it's disconcerting the situation for the preseason. I mean, he has let in some softies, but hey, it's the preseason for a reason. So, you know what? Let's just see Hopefully. what he can what he can come up with, and we'll we'll figure it out from there. But I still think he's I think I still think him and Calgary are in a pretty decent spot. I, I really do see them as being a huge bounce back. Okay, so maybe it doesn't work out for week one, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, uh, moving moving forward, I think they're they're not in too bad of a spot. In all honesty. Well, there it is. There's our episode five in the books, as good as can be. Uh, this is um, a- another exciting one, another great guest um, with Neil. Uh, Neil's, Neil's good stuff. Neil's man. the stuff, baby. Uh, looking forward to having him back on uh, at some point again as well. And as usual, uh, this episode is brought to you by THPN and DraftKings, are two of our sponsors. Thank you very much. Loving the love, to giving Thank it you. back. Yes, yes. And, uh, and there it is, episode five. Bada boom, bada bing. Done and over.